case. Good evening, it's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor, I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516-418-5651. Now, before we begin, let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to BeUnique.org. That's B-U-N-E-K-E.org. Here's what Be Unique is all about. Our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production. We work to educate, inspire, and foster positivity and creativity worldwide through video, audio, and a spectacular literary magazine featuring writers from around the world. The newest Be Unique magazine is out right now, and you can read it online along with Be Unique Brevard magazine, the Space Coast premier magazine. Be Unique is also a media powerhouse. Not only do you get this incredible podcast hosted by me, Tony Taylor, but 11 other shows. So sit back. Get comfortable and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Thursday night. It is 9 o'clock, and you're with Tony Taylor on Unscripted, a part of the Be Unique radio podcast library. I am here tonight with Mr. Eric Deckers. He's a noted author. He is a... Uh, the resume is incredible. Uh, and before we begin, I just want to, Eric, how are you this evening? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to talk with you, and I and I and I have to do one thing before we begin. You hear that? That's my resume. Yes. Because after reading your resume, I am just thoroughly <laughs> floored, and and I really want to talk to you about branding and rebranding because that just may be where my. Uh, my, uh, I make it some very, very valuable information. But uh, Eric has been blogging since 1997, and he's been a published writer for more than 27 years. He has been a newspaper humor columnist for over 25 years and has published in 10 newspapers around Indiana. He is also an award-winning playwright, both for stage and radio's theater. And if I may note, um, wow, a TED Talk as well. So, uh, Eric, it is a pleasure having you. Eric, it's it's where to begin? Where to begin? Okay, I think I know. Um, Eric, why be a writer? Um, short answer is uh, it's the only thing I'm good at. Uh, <laughs> and at least you're honest. <laughs> that's the only thing people will hire me for. I, I, I've been in sales and marketing for a long time, you know, for close to 29 years. Uh, right. And writing has always been a part of that. Uh, so I was fortunate that I could marry up my interests with my career. And for the last 13 years, I've been a professional writer where I ghostwrite uh, blog articles for companies and do content marketing for them. So <clears throat> so that's, that's more or less it. It's, it's my passion, it's my hobby, and it's also my job. 
God, and to be able to have all three of those wrapped into one life is is, is quite an achievement and also a blessing, I got to tell you. Um, so where to begin with you, Eric? Eric, um, let's talk about uh, your – how important – let me ask you this, because I, and I have a motive for these questions because it's all about getting to, to me. <laughs> no, I'm oh, kidding. Yeah, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is all about you tonight, Eric. Please, please pardon the, the uh, would-be attempted humor. Um, no, um, the, 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 how important now is it to be a writer and to be involved in social media? Uh, I think it's critical for writers uh, if they want to be known, if they want to be found. Uh, you can't you can't just rely on say being good at SEO because if you write science fiction stories, you know try googling science fiction stories and and see how many millions of entries there are, and so the odds of somebody finding you based on that uh, are pretty remote. You know, superhero science fiction story narrows it down to the hundreds of thousands, if not a few million. So if you're, you know, if you rely on that just to, to get your name out there, that's not going to do it. You have to uh, build a community of your readers on places like Twitter and Facebook or LinkedIn if you're a, a business writer uh, like I am. Uh, you right. need to build that community of, of people, not just readers, but people who like you and people who trust you and they look to you for information and for you to be a resource, even if you are a fiction writer, they still look to you for that kind of information so that when you do say, hey, I've got a new book out, everyone wants to buy it because you're their buddy. And it may just be right. their Twitter right. buddy, but you're still their buddy and they want to support you. So you've got to build that community, and social media is pretty much the only way to do that these days. And, and Eric um... – I guess what you're saying is is that you need to sit – if you're a writer and you need to be discovered or you need to be building an audience, okay, that means you have to have a brand, correct? So my mm-hmm. question is – my question is how – if I'm – I'm Tony Taylor and I want to be a writer, which is the truth, but I want to be a writer. How do I go ahead and start sitting down – and creating a brand for myself that people are going to recognize and people are going to relate to. Okay. So let's, let's almost do a step-by-step process of that. Um, Perfect. Let me write this down. Let's say you want to <laughs> – okay. <laughs> you want to be known for being a, uh, a video game analyst or you want to write about financial technology software or you want to write romance stories or science fiction romance stories, right? Whatever right. it is you want to do, the first thing you need to do is find the people who also like those things. They may okay. be other writers, um, and that's fine. They're not your competition. <clears throat> if anything, writers are readers, and so right. they are some of the first people to buy your book. And so you start out by just doing uh, a basic Twitter search for people who, you know, who do video game uh, analysis or video game professional or video game enthusiast or video game fan. And then you do, you know, whatever industry you're looking for. So uh, FinTech, financial technology, <clears throat> or science fiction romance writers and science fiction romance fans. So when you do this Twitter search, <coughs> that will they will pop up because they put those words in their bio. Okay. And so you want to make sure your bio says the same thing. 
because when you right. follow them, they get a notification that says, hey, Tony just started following you. Uh, he is a science fiction romance writer. And then right. those people see that and go, oh, Tony does what I like. And they follow okay. you back. Okay. And so you just you do that. You're going to do this uh, for several days, for many days. Um, hey, Eric, can I interrupt for a minute? Is that before? Sure, sure. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, is, yeah. is that before you start producing your writings online? Or, it, I mean, Absolutely. is that before you – okay, okay. That's what I wanted to ask. I'm sorry. Uh, if, you, if you start this the day your book is published, you're way too late. Uh, oh, wow. You know, you, you've got the idea for a book. Uh, you start outlining it, and in your, in your off time, your downtime, you're starting to build your Twitter audience. Okay. And you should be doing this anyway. You, you want to be finding, you know, you want to read in your, in your favorite genre. So you want to find the people who are doing that anyway, so, because, right. you know, you're going to be a fan of theirs and, and they are going to try to appeal to you to get you to buy their books. And right. <laughs> so it's this, it's almost codependent, interdependent circle where we are all helping each other. And so, uh, so you start there. Okay. And you're you're adding 50 people a day on Twitter. Don't go nuts and try to add 200. Just add 50 okay. people a day on Twitter. They'll be following you back. Okay. And then you want to make sure you're attending conferences and attending groups uh, about that field, not just writing, but, you know, whatever industry you're writing about. Right. And then as you're doing this, you're going to start sharing content with people on Twitter. Uh, you know, okay. news articles that you find about the topic you're writing about or excerpts from other authors or, you know, something in the, uh, you know, the romance uh, publishing industry has gone through a bit of an upheaval. Uh, you could, yeah. you know, you could republish news stories about that uh, just so you start getting seen as a reliable source of good information that you share with your audience, whatever right. that is. They'll ask so you is, questions, you'll answer them, you'll answer, ask questions and they'll answer them, and you're going to build up that relationship with people so they, they know to come to you uh, for new information and for advice. Oh, so is that more – if you're following these noted authors that are in the genre that you want to be in, is it – I mean, would it, would you recommend contacting them like with a, like I mean not a formal letter of inquiry, but I mean trying to establish a relationship with them, asking for help, asking for advice. Is that stepping over a line too soon, or what do you think? No, um, you know that's that's perfectly fine to do. You may find some people, you know, like the most popular ones are the most busy and they really don't have time sure. to answer a lot sure. of questions. And so, you know, just that's okay, you know, because you want to get to that point too where it's like I'm so successful, I'm so busy, I can't right. help everybody. Um, and so, uh, so don't take it personally if they say, I'm sorry, I can't help. So find the people who can and just ask their advice. Uh, and they will have some ideas for you. Um, you know, they'll, they'll tell things like, you need an email newsletter, which is critical. Um, I had a friend today who's in book publicity who said 10 to 20% of your sales will come from your newsletter. What is in your newsletter? Uh, news, just 
you know, here's what I'm working on today, uh, or here's what I'm working on this month, or, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, my manuscript just went to the, the uh, copy editor, and I should have it in a few weeks. Uh, you share excerpts from your story, or you share contests that you uh, found or that you created. Um, but just little, little bits of things <clears throat> that you think your readers are going to want to know about. Do giveaways of past books or, uh, you know, give away uh, an Amazon gift card for 20 bucks. Mm. Uh, okay. You know, to any of, anybody who's just joined the newsletter uh, in the last six weeks, I'm going to do a random drawing and you're going to get a $20 gift card. But you have to tweet this out uh, to everybody um, and make sure that you are following me. Right. So you do right. that kind of thing and, and that builds up your audience and you get this big, big audience and you're just, you're in communication with them. You're not advertising to them. Okay, that was my that was my other question. It was communications as opposed to basically advertising yourself, correct? Because I see a lot of writers who they uh, and I'll tell you how to do this so you don't do this, but they cheat at Twitter and they get okay. a couple hundred thousand people following them, and then all they do is just say, "Buy my book. My book's on sale. Hey, check out my book. Did you see right. my book? Did you know I had a book out? You know, and they're just constantly." Uh, with the with the purchase links to their book right. and nothing right. else, and and so it's you know nobody likes advertising anymore. We all skip it. We all you know oh, yeah. pay for the Hulu without the commercials so I can skip the ads. <laughs> oh, um, you're one of those people. And so okay. yeah, <laughs> and so given the fact that we don't like advertising as a as a you know as people. You don't want to become an advertiser because everyone's going to ignore you, and they're just you're going to piss them off, and then they're going to stop buying from you. And that's so, what you don't want. So the Twitter cheating method, the Twitter, and I'm I'm telling you this only so you don't do this. I don't want you to do this um, okay. and think this is acceptable, <clears throat> because if if Twitter finds out, they can ban you for it. Really? There okay. is software. Yeah. So there is software that will. Uh, mass follow a bunch of people, and then mass unfollow them. Now, not all at once, because Twitter caught on to that, you know, what, 15 years ago. Because um, I knew a guy who, who wrote a piece of software that did it, and he got banned immediately. Um, so this mass life? following and unfollowing for life? happens. Uh, no, they let him back in. Oh, okay, okay. But, uh, but he was banned for two weeks. Uh, this God. is like 2009. Um, it will randomly, not randomly, but it will randomly click the follow button for the parameters that you set up at different intervals. So Twitter thinks that it's a real human being just sitting with a mouse going click, click. Oh, click, okay, click. okay. And so it, it tricks the, the, the security algorithm, and it will follow a couple thousand people over a period of two days. And then you hit this, this limit where Twitter says you can't follow any more people until you have a matching number of followers. Okay. So if you follow 2,000 people, you have to have 2,000 follow you back. Well, only 1,000 did, and you can't wait for the other 1,000 to catch up. So the software will then go unfollow all those 2,000 people and follow 2,000 more people. Oh, and then, okay. you know, And then you get 1,000 more followers out of that. And now, uh, and then Twitter unfollows all those people again, and now it can go 
I think it's 10 or 20% higher than your number of followers. So now it will follow 2,200 people. Oh, man. And unfollow them, and you'll get maybe 1,500 people follow you back. So now you're up to 3,500. And so it'll, it'll follow 3,800 and unfollow them all. <clears throat> and you get 2,000 more people, so now you're up to 5,800. And so you see how it just yo-yos back and forth, up and down by cheating. So you've got all these followers who think you're going to do something amazing, but then it turns out you're not talking to them at all, and right. so they start to ignore you. The other thing people do is they just, you know, you contact these, these uh, companies in the Philippines, uh, and they will provide you with 1,000 followers, which if you had to do this for work, it looks great to your boss, but these are all empty bots. Not now, these are all purchased Twitter. These are purchased bots, right, that you can get from yes. – oh, wow. Yeah, there, for years there have been companies in the Philippines that uh, that set up these fake Twitter accounts, and you know, right. uh, companies that want to boost their numbers and look cool will spend fifty bucks to get a thousand bot followers. So, so you can do this, and your numbers look great, but without any kind of content to to make people interested in you, it's just you're you're shouting in an empty room. So what is the point of that, though? Is it just to look like you are Ego. somebody? Oh, mm-hmm. exactly. Just a, and and so these people with two hundred and fifty thousand followers, you know, they're hoping to get right. even one right. percent of sales, right? Which is going to be what twenty five hundred people. Probably right. they don't get to get maybe two hundred and fifty purchases. Out of 25,000, or no, I'm sorry, 250,000 followers, right. they get 250 sales. Well, I'd rather have a Twitter account of 1,000 people sure. who, who love my stuff and will buy my stuff every time. Uh, and I, I have 1,000 followers, but if they all bought my book and they all told their friends about it, I've got a better Twitter following than this person who's got this 250,000 uh, you know, empty network. So, so well, and let's build. Let's be realistic and communicating with them. Then let's be yeah. realistic too. You have real money because you have your thousand yes. people buying your book. So exactly. you're doing you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is writing, and you're also making a living, and that's realistic, and that exactly. and that is what you're supposed to be doing. Well, I, I would have never known that 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 there had been software to create that kind of mess <laughs> on, on yeah. Twitter. And, and Twitter's very aware of this? They are, but they can't tell the, the random clicking of, you know, a few hundred people. I mean, I've, I've done it where for clients I'm trying to build up their followers, or for me I'm trying to build up my number of followers. And one day I went and I looked for humor writers, Right. And there were maybe a hundred of them, and so I just clicked and followed all of those humor writers uh, in a span of about ten minutes—not even ten minutes, like six minutes—just to follow a hundred people. But I made sure I was following the you know people I actually wanted to uh, follow, not somebody who said I hate humor in my, you know in their bio. I didn't want to follow them, right. 
So I, I had to read each one. And so I've got this random delay between clicks. And so Twitter doesn't know the difference between me doing that and this, this software doing that. Right. So now you're involved in a lot of many different things. Uh, one of which is of course you are the, uh, 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 you are involved in, I believe, the president, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, of ProBlog Service, correct? Yes, that's my, uh, that's my content marketing agency right. that I have been running since 2009. Right. Now, what, what does ProBlog Service do? So, basically, we are ghost bloggers. And I okay. say we, but it's me now. It started out, it was a we. Uh, there were three of us, <laughs> and, and now it's just me. <clears throat> okay. But uh but I, I ghost blog articles for other companies. Uh usually in the B two B world. So like people okay. that companies that sell to other companies, I write for them. And mm-hmm. uh and so it's it's in the larger field of content marketing, which uh it's really the, the art of persuasion through education and it can okay. be you know, the content itself can be written content like me or videos like what you do, or audio, right. or podcasts, right. or photos, but anything that you can create to convince other people to buy from the company by educating right. themselves is content marketing. And so I focus oh. on the written word. Okay. And that leads us to probably when all of this quarantine and uh, situation happened with COVID, and many people, including myself, had actually um you know lost their jobs and now as we clear that that scope of what has happened um i really find it fascinating that your book branding yourself and how to use social media to invent or reinvent yourself plays into that situation are you have probably seen a huge upsurge and i'm gonna say i cheated eric and i looked on amazon and there's only one copy left of branding yourself on really? social media. Oh, and, I, no. and I, yeah, there's only one copy left. It's only one copy, 1975 hardcover. <laughs> wow. But, um, my, my situ, my question to you is you have probably seen an explosion in that area. And, you know, let's say myself, um, if I was involved in a company that, you know, did it, but I had lost my job and now I wanted to focus on, let's say, my video work, okay? How would I go about reinventing myself on social media? And how would I go about – I mean, you, you touched on a little bit about branding yourself, but how would I go from you know, having all of this on my resume, which is on the floor. Um, I have all, my, all the uh, items of years that I was with IT, and now I want to go back to video, and that's going to require me to uh, – basically reinvent myself because of the amount of years I was gone is, is probably a lifetime. It is a lifetime in that, in, in that, you know, in that job situation. So how would I go about uh, branding, reinventing myself on the internet and how is it going to get the attention of people that I want to have attention from when all they see on my resume is the fact that I've been with, you know, this particular, you know, uh, IT for 18 years. How how would that work? Well, one of the great things about social media and about sort of uh, 
being a professional creative, like being a writer, being a videographer, video production person, is uh, we get to show our social proof. Right. Blog articles. You get to put up sure. videos. Right. Uh, photographers get to put up photos. You know, accountants can't do that. Uh, IT people can't do that. I mean, how do you show that a network is running on right. Twitter? Right. <laughs> you know, so, so we get to we get to to do social proof, and then we've got those platforms to share it. So, right. You know, you start by producing videos of the kinds of things that you want to um, that you want to work in. You know, maybe you want to work for nonprofits, or maybe you want right. to work for manufacturing, or maybe you want to be a freelance videographer. Um, and, you know, and go travel to different cities. So you start producing the content that demonstrates your abilities for that. So, you know, for me, I write blog articles and I write white papers and I write ebooks, And right. then I can share that as a portfolio with people or I can right. post it online. You post things on YouTube and on Vimeo and on uh, Instagram Reels right. so that people see this. So that's, that's kind of step one. Step two <laughs> Again, we're gonna we're gonna build a community, but we're gonna be a bit sneaky about it. So we're gonna we're gonna find those people on Twitter and on LinkedIn and on everything. We're gonna make sure that they see the stuff that we're doing. But maybe you also collaborate on a few projects uh, with people. There's a, a person who runs a video agency you want to work for, and you right. call them up and say, "Hey, I've got an idea for a video. Uh, uh, you know, I'm wondering, would you like to collaborate with me?" And so okay. they get to see you do firsthand that kind of thing. Right. So that, that would take some work because you're also asking them, you know, hey, uh, work for free with me for a little bit. But if you can get that, you know, then you've built a relationship I was gonna and ask, you've uh, proven yourself to somebody. So the third Eric, step. Okay. And, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, Eric. Okay, because the third step's a long one, and, and, and okay. this will be true for anybody who needs to find a new job, and, and this is usually like the end of the show uh, uh, advice, and it's kind of the big showstopper, but I'm going to tell you now anyway. Okay. You're going to start doing <laughs> go, what are called go, informational interviews. Yeah, we okay. won't have to end it. We're, just, this is, we're, we're getting a jump on it. We're revealing the killer early. That's right. Um, so, so you're going to do informational interviews with people. You find the industry you want to work in, maybe not the field, like, you know, manufacturing videography. You're not going to do that. You're just going to look for videography. And you're going to talk to the agency owners. Uh, you're going to talk to the creative directors at marketing agencies that hire videographers. And you call them or email them and say, hey, I want to meet with you for coffee or I want to meet with you on Zoom and find out how did you get involved in the industry and how did you, you know, what career path did you go on? Now, right. another option is to do podcasts with those people um, oh. because people want to be interviewed. Uh, and sure. there are companies that do sales podcasts where, where they contact potential clients, you know, potential customers. Hey, come be on our podcast. And they don't want to take a sales call, but they want to be interviewed on a podcast. So we're going to work on that same, that same logic. Okay. If you were to call these people up and ask them, do you have any jobs for videographers? They don't want to talk to you. If oh, you say, hey, I'm a freelancer. Okay. I want to carry some of your overflow work. They may want to talk to you, but probably not. Okay. Like 40% chance they want to talk to you. <laughs> but if you call them and say, hey, I want you to talk about yourself 
for an hour, and I'm going to listen <laughs> intently and take notes. They absolutely want to talk to you. They're like, I would love to talk to myself or about myself That's for brilliant. an hour. And so right. this is what you're counting on. So you you right. you call them, you sit down, you have coffee with them, buy the coffee for them if you can, um, and then just ask them, you know, how did you get into this? How did you? What do you want to do? How did you end up here? You know, how do you still have all your fingers? And right. you know, take <laughs> notes even. Right. Even if you never look at them again, take notes because it looks like you're really paying attention. And then when you're done, you're going to ask them two questions. And you have to ask both these questions. Number one, who else should I talk to? And they'll have somebody in mind that you should talk to because you've been such a good listener and uh, and you've been, you know, paying attention and asking great questions. And so they want to help you. So who else should I talk to? And then number two, can you introduce me to them? Can you do an email introduction? Uh, because what you don't want them to do is to say, uh, you know, oh, just call Steve. Tell him I told you to call. Because oh. when you call Steve, Steve's going to be a little suspicious. Did, you know, did he really talk to that person? Right, um, right, right. You know, people have done that. People have called Steve when, when they never really were told to call them. And that backfires uh, huge. Put Steve on the spot, right? There's an email. Oh, yeah. yeah. But if there's an email introduction where where you say uh, Eric meets Steve, Steve does this, Steve meets Eric, Eric does this, I think you two should meet and have you know have coffee, and then I will quickly follow up with Steve uh, instead of waiting for him and say, Hey Steve, great to meet you. Are you free for coffee in the next week? Uh, and then I do it again and I start it all over again. Let him talk for an hour take great notes, ask those two questions, meet the new person, let them talk for an hour. I have known people who they never applied for jobs. They just started doing that, and uh, and they found a job. Uh, Or in some cases, they found freelance work. But just by networking, they were able to tap into the hidden job market that nobody knows about. Uh, and that works better than sitting down and doing the job boards and, you know, oh, yeah. just getting more and more discouraged every day. And you start thinking, maybe I should just go back into IT because clearly <laughs> video production is not for me. No, God, right? no. This, yeah. No, God, no. But I mean, that, avoid all of that. That is a brilliant approach, and I and I must make a confession right now on this podcast. I have been that person that has you know done that approach where, hey, are you looking for anybody? Or hey, you know, I'm a freelancer, and I've I've definitely seen the uh, the negative side of of what you are you're talking about. And Eric, we have a caller, so are you up for taking questions? Sure. All right, great. Let me go ahead and put that person on. Hi, good evening. You are on Unscripted with Eric Deckers. I'm Tony Taylor, of course, and uh, who are we speaking with? Hi, my name's Diane Dobry, and I know Eric personally, but I was listening I and Diane I had Dobry. a couple of questions. <laughs> how are you? I'm well. How are it, you? Diane, ask away. Okay, so two things. One, I, I just wanted to make one comment short, and then I have a question. Um, you were talking about the um, doing blogs for other um, for companies, and um, I just wanted to mention that I had been doing blog posts for a friend's soap company and creating characters and 
who uses each different type of soap. And and I suggested to her, you know, maybe like around the holidays, you want to make like gift baskets and make a little book of all these different characters I've created and publish like, you know, make a little short book from those blog posts as part of the gift basket. So she was interested in that, but she wanted me to do it. And I'm like, oh, I have to figure out how to do it first. <laughs> But um, I, I just thought that was a, you know, an option to do with, for someone. But what I wanted to ask you was, you were talking about well, using Twitter. You, I, I, okay. Hold on. Let me interrupt real quick. Because if you're writing, like, little fiction stories, what is interesting is uh, soap operas that we have on TV now. They are called right. soap operas because in the, in the early 30s when the radio plays were introduced, and there were these little radio dramas, and they were kind of geared towards – the women who were staying home um, <clears throat> during the day and listening to these stories in the afternoon, they were sponsored by soap companies. Right. And that's right. where they got the name, soap opera. So you're, you're kind of coming full circle, you know, a hundred years later yeah. doing the same thing. That's really cool. <laughs> that's that's that story. is cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I'm trying, I'm still trying to work with her to get that. I'm fi- finally figuring out how to get something uh, published or, you know, paperback books made up of those, you know, small chapbooks, I guess. But um, so the other thing, you were talking about Twitter, and I was curious because um, you were saying that if you've written a book and putting it out on Twitter and then getting into conversation, one question was why would you suggest Twitter for that um, purpose? And secondly, what kinds Mm. of conversations would you suggest having about if you're an author promoting a book? Um, what was the first part of the quote? Why would I do that? Why would you suggest Twitter rather than maybe Instagram or something, you know, Facebook? Oh, I, okay. um, I like Twitter because it's short. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. only get 280 characters max. It used to be 140. Now it's 280. Uh, so I can, I can whip out several tweets, uh, in, in just a number of minutes. <clears throat> Facebook is also good, uh, but there you're going to start playing around on Facebook groups, and you're going to find people who have a group based on what it is that you like. And so, uh, so I just I I only recommend Twitter just for shortness. Um, if you've got a visual product or a visual story you want to tell, Instagram is great, and you can uh, because. Facebook owns Instagram. You can push all of your Instagram photos to Facebook and, and promote yourself that way. So I always suggested Twitter just because that's the thing that I have used for, uh, gosh, 14 and a half years. Yeah. But, uh, um, so what kind of content would you put? If, like if, if you've written, do you just focus on the co- kind of content you wrote in your book, or would you just talk about writing in general? What kinds of content? Whatever I think my audience would like. So if I were to promote, uh, you know, my Branding Yourself book, which sounds like I don't need to anymore since we're down to one copy. One uh, copy. But I would look <laughs> one copy, hurry now. Um, but I would look at people who are talking about, you know, looking for a new career. Uh, and I might have a, a search column on Twitter called New Career, and it has those keywords in it. Or um, – somebody who says branding myself or rebranding myself or redefining myself, I would have different search columns set up for those terms 
And then whatever, uh, you know, and then any time a tweet comes in there, I can read it and see, is this a, uh, a general question that maybe I can answer and be helpful? Or is this somebody who said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about branding myself with an iron. You know, and, and maybe that's not a topic I want to get into. That but, could be uh, very interesting. Yeah, it could. That's a whole different side of that's Twitter. That's a whole other genre, but, um, Eric. Yeah, exactly. It's unscripted after hours. Yes, it is. So anyway, I would look for those kinds of questions, and then I would just answer them for people without being salesy. Like, hey, if you want to know how to brand yourself, buy my book. I wouldn't do that. Uh, but you know, no. I would kind of ask them a question like, "What are you looking to rebrand about yourself?" And then they might say, "Well, I'm, you know, I want to get out of IT and become a videographer. What do I do?" And and so then I can answer that even in a few tweets, uh, okay. and just give them advice. And then hopefully they will go back and say, "Well, why does this guy know so much about it?" And then read my bio and right. find mm-hmm. the uh, find the link to my book. But would you, just do you answer ever the use question LinkedIn about that topic. Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, I've done that on LinkedIn as well. No, that's okay. I've done that on LinkedIn as well. Um, I, I like LinkedIn, but it's, I find it to be a little more formal and yes. stuffy, mm-hmm. uh, only because I'm a humor writer in addition to everything else. <laughs> and so half the stuff I put on Twitter is just a joke uh, or it's just <laughs> me being goofy. Uh, and I really don't feel I should do that on LinkedIn. <laughs> no, that probably that probably right. wouldn't get a lot of notices for business. Diana, did you have any? Yeah. But rebranding, but rebranding on LinkedIn would probably be fitting, right? Oh yeah. Well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for for that advice. I we'll have to talk again sometime. And Diane, yeah, thank you I'm very much for to. calling. Thank you for calling, Diane. Yeah, oh, thank you. It. No problem. If uh, if you're interested, I think Diane has on her website a bunch of ghost stories, or at least I hope you do, Diane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have. I so, have. I have a few websites. Um, HungarianAquarian.com is my most. Uh, it's the kind of the woo-woo channel. So I have some <laughs> stories about woo-woo. that kind of stuff and podcasts yeah. too. So if you like Diane, good ghost me- stories, check out HungarianAquarian.com. At HungarianAquarian.com for woohoo. Oh, that's great, Diane. Yeah. Hey, thanks again for calling. <laughs> it was great hearing from you this evening, and we appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Take care. Hey, have a have a thanks. great night. Thanks, Diane. Oh, well, that was that was interesting, and I tell you what, um, you know, we're talking about branding. Is there? I mean, this may be a a dumb guy question, but I mean, is there a difference in branding yourself and marketing yourself? Um, no, that's, that's actually a great question. Um, uh, marketing yourself is just promoting your work. Okay. Buy my book over and over, but branding yourself. Uh, and a lot of people don't like to use the term uh, branding. They like this. They, well, I'm not a brand. I'm a person. It's like, well, no, you are a brand. You are a brand. brand is that, that thing in a company or in a person that inspires an emotional response in people. Right. Uh, and I call it the, Oh good. Oh shit response. Because some people say, uh, Oh good. When you're coming or going, 
Right. And they say, oh, shit, when you're going or coming. <laughs> Which one they say is completely up to you. And so ideally for a positive brand, they say, oh, good, when you show up. And they say, oh, shit, when you leave. And so that's branding. That's that emotional response uh, to your name, your face, the mention of you when you're not around. Right. That's right. that emotional response. Marketing yourself right. is just saying, hey, I'm going to be giving a, a talk at this uh, on Tuesday. Show up, and I'll see you there. That's marketing. That doesn't do anything gotcha. to help that oh, good, oh, shit response later. Okay. Um, and showing up somewhere is another uh, issue, I, another issue, another subject I'd like to talk to you about because, Eric, you're heavily, heavily, heavily involved uh, in the local, I guess we could call it grassroots uh, group of Orlando, Florida. And can you talk about some of the different uh, groups you head up here in Central Florida that definitely work with writers just beginning and writers that are already established? Okay. So uh, I help lead uh, the Writers of Central Florida or thereabouts. That's the official title. Uh, they named it before I got there. <laughs> um, but it's <laughs> so it's, it's W O T F O T. I think that's like our okay. Twitter handle. Okay. And it's our Instagram handle, just Walkfot. So we we at least like to say Walkfot. But um, Walkfot. <laughs> we. Uh, it started out, uh, Jeff Rembert and Chet Hall started the group, and I, I know you had Jeff on the show previously. I did. But yes, they did. started the group as, as sort of, and I'm sorry, <laughs> on behalf of Central Florida, let me apologize for everything that Jeff said. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, if you're listening, but, thank you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> So, so anyway, it started out as a writer's group where, where people would uh, bring in stuff they had been working on, and they would read it, and it would get critiqued. And that right. quickly turned into, uh, I want to perform my work. Uh, oh. I'm worried less about the critique, and I just want to read it. And so it okay. grew. And so they started meeting uh, at Stardust Video and Coffee uh, in Winter Park. It's a nice big venue. It's a nice big coffee shop with a stage. And we all take turns just reading from the stage. Uh, you get six to eight minutes. Um, we're, we're trying to go to a hybrid model now uh, where we can have people zoom in. Uh, but oh. for the last few months, it's been live. And before that, it was all Zoom. And so when we went live, we kind of dropped the Zoom. Now I'm trying to bring the two back together. Uh, okay. But we do that on the second Wednesday of every month at uh, 7 p.m. Right. Uh, Eastern time. And then on the fourth Wednesday of every month uh, at the Winter Park Public Library, we have Orlando Word Lab, uh, which is a writing workshop that, uh, that I actually run. Uh, Brian Walker runs the uh, Short Attention Span Theater, the open line. Okay. And I run the Orlando Word Lab. And there... Uh, we get a speaker to come in or to zoom in, uh, talk about a technique they want to teach us, like dialogue or human writing or research or character development. Or uh, we're, we're trying to do something, uh, again, with Jeff, about how to perform your work in public. Right, right. Uh, but then we have somebody talk about that. They, they lecture about it for a little bit. They read a sample of their work. They give us a writing prompt, and then we go write – for about 20 or 30 minutes, and we get to read what we came up with 
and get some oh. positive uh, feedback from the right. instructor and from the other uh, other people. That is definitely a hybrid. So anybody, if you're listening, wherever you are, uh, as long as you're awake at 7 p.m. Eastern time, New York time, uh, you can zoom in and be a part of that. Uh, and that's the fourth Wednesday of every month except November and December. That. That sounds like a great opening for anybody who is interested in writing or anybody that wants to start out in writing. Um, it, 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 do you find that it can be – I mean, what, what, how do you approach a person who's new to the group who may feel, for lack of a better description, intimidated? I mean, how do you encourage them to get up there on stage in front of everybody and read their stuff? Because, I mean, it can be – I mean – you have a bunch. You're in a room full of writers, and, and it's yeah. quite intimidating. And I know I've been in that spot. So, how do you encourage people to do that? Yeah. So, how do we approach them? Eagerly. Yeah. We are always happy to see new writers. It's like it's, it's, it, you won't escape our notice. Three or four people are going to come up and say, "Hey, what's your name? Are you new here? Are you going to read tonight? We'd love to have you read tonight." And okay. you know, we are we're it's a very supportive group. Uh, it, it's laid back to the point where if you want feedback, you should ask for it first, because otherwise nobody's going to say anything. We're just going to we're going to stand up, we're going to applaud, we're going to say that was awesome, and that'll be it. So if you want you know actual helpful criticism, let us know. But otherwise, it's a place where you God, can come and just read and just share, and whatever you want. You know, I read uh, a newspaper humor column. Uh, we've got people who read poetry. Uh, we've done uh, stage plays and radio plays. Where wow. uh, if you've ever seen a radio play produced, you just you stand and read at a microphone. Uh, there's no acting; there's just reading. And we just have people do that. Um, so you know, whatever it is you want to do, when we have all levels of skill and experience. Uh, we have a lot of people who they you know it's their first time ever reading in public. Maybe they've right. been writing for a while, but it's right. their first time ever reading. I remember one time we had a woman who, who came because she found us on, I think, on Meetup and right. wanted to see what it was about. And then she, she made the fatal error of saying, well, I want to write something, but I'm not sure what to write about. And so we, <laughs> we gave her a challenge and said, all right, we're going to give you five words. There were five of us just all standing with her. So we said, we're going <laughs> to give you five words. It was like trumpet and backpack and you know, and just weird words. And we said, now, got a month, go write a story with all those words in it. And that used to be the original writing prompt uh, when the group okay. first started. Uh, but just okay. five words, write something. <clears throat> she came back the next month, read this great short story. And, wow. uh, and we said, how long have you been writing? She said, this is my first thing ever. Um, and, and she did a great, great job. So we're, we're, eager for young new writers to show up and and just show us their stuff uh you're not going to be judged you're not going to you know nobody's going to say anything bad about you um we're we're there to help you nurture and grow and even if you're nervous uh we can help you out there too um we had a woman a, a young woman uh at a at a different venue she got up on stage and just started started to panic. I could actually see a, a tear coming down her <laughs> cheek. And I, I ran up on stage and I held her hand, the one that wasn't holding her, her paper, and I said, don't look at anybody else. 
just read this to me. And I, I blocked her view from everybody. I was like two feet away from her. I said, nobody else is here. You're just going to read it to me. And she got, she, she was nervous, but she started to read, and she only made eye contact with me a few times. She said she buried her in the paper, uh, but she got through it. And then uh, uh, when she was done and I stepped out of the way so she could see, everybody just stood up and applauded like mad for her. Uh, and, and she was, you could see the relief on her face, but also the pride of having conquered a big uh, yeah. deal like that. She was, I think she was like 16 years old, and her mom brought her. And, oh, wow. And she, she was brave when she walked in the door, and she was less brave on stage. And, uh, but, but she did it. She conquered that fear and, and got to do that. And that's the kind of group that I think we have created where it's, it's just we love to have you there. It's, it's a love-filled room. It's a support-filled room, and, and we want to see you do well. And, Eric, repeat when and where again for Writers of Central Florida. Okay, so the group is called Writers of Central Florida or thereabouts. Okay. We're on meetup.com. We're on facebook.com. Um, <clears throat> if you're trying to join from, from elsewhere outside of Central Florida, drop me a quick note so I know uh, that, you know, you heard about it here because uh, I, I've not been letting – people outside of Florida in necessarily uh, okay. just because they can't make the event. But I right. kind of open the floodgates for everybody. So if you say, hey, I heard you on, on Be Neek, uh, drop me a note. I'll, I'll let you right in. But uh, so meetup.com, facebook.com, uh, and then we have two meetings per month. One is on the second Wednesday of every month at right. 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's at Stardust Video and Coffee. If you are in Central Florida, uh, we will have a Zoom link. If you are not, and then on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. at the Winter Park Public Library, which is also in Orlando, um, you show up there. Or we will have, again, we will have a Zoom link for you to join, and, and we will uh, Zoom you in, and you can be part of a hybrid event. And Eric, I mean, this actually, this concept of, of, of welcoming new writers is actually taking off. How many members now do you have in the Writers of Central Florida or thereabouts? All told, we have, between the two groups, 3,400 members, but I'm sure at wow. least a third of that is overlap. So we've got, we've got 2,000 members. We don't have 2,000 people showing up. We have right, right, right. at most a, a couple dozen. So, you know, if you're, if you're worried about big crowds, this is the room for you. We don't have big, big crowds. <laughs> well, but, I mean, I, I can't think of a better venue or a better idea or a better concept for a person who's just starting out or a person who's very new to find a place that's basically safe to experiment and get great feedback and encouragement for their writing. And to, and to, because writing, as you know, I know you, it's a very personal thing. It's hard to open up on paper to begin with. It's like the whole concept of it were easy, everybody be doing it. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, even, it's even more difficult when you've done it, and now you're going to bring it out to people to listen to or to think about, or to talk about. And if, you know, with all those, with that number of members in that type of environment, you would have to be, you know, 
lack of a better word, crazy to not want to be at this, you know, this meeting to find out, you know, where they can help you, where they can help you take mm-hmm. your, your next piece of writing. And do you and, and, and do you normally find Eric that writers are an encouraging group of people? Um, I I have found that to be the case here. I, okay. I actually don't know about other places. Um, partly because in Orlando, I think I would wager that we have one of the best writing communities in the United States. Wow. Um, you know, I other know places that. like Portland, Oregon, like uh, uh, Ames, Iowa. Believe it or not. New York City, they have great writing communities. But here in Orlando, we have not just writers of Central Florida, but we've got uh, Diverse Word, which is a, a poetry event that's run, uh, I think it's weekly, if not monthly, uh, run by a guy named Sean Welcome, who is actually excuse me, Orlando's Poet Laureate right now. Uh, oh, okay. There okay. are other poetry events and slams going on around the city. Uh, we've got the Jack Kerouac House, uh, where Jack lived in 1956 and 57, uh, where he wrote Dharma Bums and where he lived when On the Road was published. Uh, so we've got this great writing community, uh, and it is, by and large, I, I have not met anybody who does not, the, the young writers, great. You know, young writers, new writers, everybody I've met here, um, I have heard tell of, you know, other places that people go and they're like, yeah, they didn't like anybody there. Uh, not that person, but like, they, you know, those wow. people that I met at that other city, they were not helpful and supportive. So I like to think that everybody is, but I definitely know that Orlando is. And anybody who wants to be a writer, <clears throat> first place to check is meetup.com. Um, right. To see, are there writers in your area? Even if it's three people who meet every Saturday at a Panera Bread, you know, that's, that starts your community. And that's kind of that's your introduction right. to writers at large. But you find the people who make you feel good about what you're doing, and you help that group grow. And, Eric, as we get into our last five minutes of the show, is there any last-minute advice you can give to people who do want to be writers and do want to pursue this course of branding and marketing that you've discussed and that you've written quite extensively about? Um, well, the thing I always suggest for writers of any kind, and this is, this is whether you want to be like a creative writer or you want to be a business writer and you want to brand yourself this way, uh, you want to read a lot and you want to read every day and not just blog articles. I, I tell I tell business writers and content marketers this all the time. Stop reading blogs, uh, especially okay. business blogs. They're not very good, except okay. you who are listening. If you write a business blog, yours is awesome. I'm not talking about you. But most business blogs are just they're, – they're very mediocre at best, and you can't okay. learn to be excellent by reading mediocrity. So read okay. books, uh, and especially – fiction books. Even if you're a business writer or a nonfiction writer, read fiction books, learn how to tell stories, learn how to create uh, a compelling dialogue uh, and to, to create plots that interest people and drive a story forward. Even business magazine writers benefit right. from that kind of thinking. So read every day. The other thing is, and you'll hear this all the time, I'm not going to be the first person to say this, but write every day. Right, every day. But, and here's the, the thing that is different, 
don't wait for like special private writing time. Like, you know, when you when you sit down to the table and you got your your pot of tea and the sun's coming in just right and the music's playing, don't wait for that time. If you've got a writing technique that you want to learn, like you want to practice cutting out adverbs, which I strongly recommend. I've read that from Stephen King. Yeah, he, Stephen King says the same yep, thing. Yeah, Stephen King and Ernest Hemingway. They both okay. said eliminate adverbs. And so okay. you want to practice that all the time with everything you write. So if you write emails for work, eliminate adverbs. If you write reports, eliminate adverbs. When you're writing tweets uh, and quick Facebook updates, eliminate the adverbs. Practice that all the time. So, so not just write every day, but practice every day with everything. Right. And eventually that becomes a habit. So, like, I, I did that for several years. I did that like, for four months, just practice cutting out adverbs and anything. And now um, it's, it's a habit. It's an automatic habit to right. leave adverbs right. out of the things I write. Right. So those um, are my you know, two my... big pieces of advice. Um, and, and great advice, great advice. And, and my thing, you know, you talked about was get into a habit. Make yourself right regardless of where, you know, of how you feel or what you're doing. And just make it a habit so that you can't get through your day without at least punching some types of words down. Uh, I give myself a 300-word minimum every day. It doesn't have to be. It can be more, it can be less, but I shoot for 300, and I did that like you were talking about for months on end, and now I don't feel right unless I've, <laughs> I've written during the day. And, uh, and, See, and uh, you've this, got a better habit than I do because I don't, I don't do like that personal, you know, the personal creative writing. I don't do that right. every day. Like tonight I have to write my newspaper column. So, um, you know, I, I start that early in the day and I have about 850 words by midnight when I'm done, but I don't do that every day. But uh, what gets me good at that is just that practice of, you know, writing emails, writing tweets, uh, and, and doing the things that I want to do. So you're like ahead of me just by writing 300 oh, words. Finally excelling at something. Wow. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, Eric, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you tonight, and I hope all I hope if we have some new writers out there, you paid attention and took some notes because this this uh, advice and this experience was completely invaluable. And Eric, I want to thank you very much for being a guest on this show, and I hope that we can have you back at another time because I know you're heavily involved in a Jack Kerouac project. And I'd love to talk yeah. to you more about that. Um, but, again, it has been an absolute pleasure. We want to really thank you. And, uh, Eric, all the best as always. And uh, hopefully we'll, well be talking you to you much. soon. And thank you for uh, being so. on the show. Yeah, I had a great time. All right. That's great, Eric. All right, everybody. That's our show for the, uh, for the evening. I'm glad uh, you were listening, and I'm glad that you, we had Eric on. And uh, we will see you, of course, well, not see you, but we will be on the air next Thursday night at 9 o'clock. Thanks again for listening. Greatly appreciate it. Have a great night, everybody.